0: We're back. It's been a while. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus, but we're back, and we're here to talk about an important issue. Can men and women be friends? Can three men in their mid-20s talk about an 80s rom-com? And will this pod last under two hours? We're going to find out all these questions. I'm joined by Dirty Dan the Garbage Man, Max Boyum, and Mason Ford, and we're here to talk to you today about When Harry Met Sally. So when Harry met Sally came out in 89, I think I didn't even look that up. Wow. That's off the top of my head. That's skills. Um, when Harry met Sally came out in 89, Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan, classic combo. And as I said in the intro, you know, the thesis of the movie is can men and women be friends? And throughout the movie you see, uh, Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan kind of navigate, navigate their relationship. Now, before i we get into any of the categories or anything per the last couple of episodes each of you are going to guess how much this money how much this movie made at the box office how much money it made so max you're going to go first you get okay. you're kind of it's been a while for you so you got to you got to throw one number out there
1: yeah you know let me get back up on the bike i'm just going to take a wild stab in the dark 92 million boom
0: fuck oh, wait, you you looked wait, it up wait, wait. fuck you. You looked it
1: up. That's not fair. It came up in my internet research earlier today. I just, I just, that's a stab in the dark. Maybe it's off. Maybe it hasn't been adjusted for inflation. Who knows?
2: I was was going to
1: go,
2: I was going to go prices, right. Style. And uh, (laughs) go 92 million and $1. So I think I would have been, I would have been out on that one.
0: Max, that really pisses me off. You know that (laughs) I want you to do a little research, but not, not step on my research. That's you come on my pod. You come into my house to get my wife's name wrong. It's Christina. <laughs> I didn't okay. mean
2: to
1: come in you your burger joint and tell you how to make burgers. Sorry. You, you take and Max,
2: I, I actually really appreciate that you did that. That that took a lot of, of courage to do that. So it
1: also shows that I care and you know what? Yeah. I can't.
0: Agreed. So we kind of got on this when Harry met Sally train. I was talking to Boyam, a.k.a. Dirty Dan, the garbage man uh, yesterday. We're on the phone. We're commiserating. We're chatting. And, uh, one thing kind of leads to another and we're like, Hey, let's, let's do a pod. And we're talking, Max has explained to me what Letterbox is for all you app aficionados out there. Max, follow him on letterbox. Uh, he'll plug his info at the end of the pod. But Max was talking about his highest rated movies he did on letterbox. And he mentioned when Harry met Sally. And ironically enough, I'd watched when Harry met Sally the day before with my roommate who'd never seen it. And, I was—I hadn't seen it in like ten years, and I was floored. And you know, Mason had talked to me about it, and that's how you get this trio, and that's that's how you get this pod. So, Max, why was this so highly rated for you on Letterbox? What what stood out to you about this movie? Um,
1: so I just recently watched it for the first time. If you count, I guess you know, I've heard of it. It is always something that people talk about when you're talking about traditional rom coms. Um, I just actually watched it for the first time officially back in October, um, and just rewatched it today. And I, and I think the thing that kind of drew me to it, a, and we kind of stumbled into this on accident, but it's a, a great new year's movie. So I'm not sure when you're planning on dropping this episode, but it's a great new year's movie. Uh, We're going to drop it on new
0: year's because of that. That's going to be the, that's going to be the social media plug As you saying that. So nice,
1: damn straight. Hey, make sure,
0: make sure the producer gets ready to
1: clip that last little clip there. Hey, Jamie,
0: you want to clip that?
1: Got it. Uh, B, it is the quintessential rom-com. Every rom-com after this, you can find some semblance of When Harry Met Sally in that movie. Um, I think everything up until that point also deserves a little bit of credit, but I, I think that When Harry Met Sally really, and I, I haven't quite nailed down exactly why, but really changed what we now have come to know as a rom-com. And, you know, for us not being born, you know, I mean, we were we weren't even alive when this came out and obviously it took a few years for us to come around before we were actually probably, you know, old enough to watch it and enjoy it. Um, But I I just think that, yeah, a lot of what I grew up on as rom-coms from like when we were growing up, um, I can definitely now look back and say, Oh, Hey, that's, that's where that came from. So I I think it's just a really important movie over the last 50 years um, and, and still continues today to influence what we consume.
0: Mason, what, what, why do you love this movie?
2: Yeah, I'd have to agree with everything Max is saying and then additionally it's just the the way this story is told, it's unique. You know, they have the couples that tell their story as the transitions between the years and also just having the years f- five-year intervals in between when they see each other and you see their relationship develop in a much more unique way than in other romantic comedies, maybe that we grew up with where it's a couple months or a couple of days or whatever it is. You, you see them over, over the course of years and we don't see their story in between, but you, you kind of get little things in between.
0: When we were growing up uh, movies like how to lose a guy in 10 days, um, they became kind of gimmicky. Rom-coms needed a premise of, Hey, these people were forced together for some reason. But to, I guess, Mason and Max is both their points. It's, it's really unique. The transitions, I kind of forgot about that. On I hadn't seen this movie in like 10 years, and when I rewatched it, I really, at first I was kind of hating on the transitions and was talking shit about them. And I guess I want to ask Mason if you think that's an effective way to tell this story through the transitions. Because I came around, the, watching it tonight, I think I really warmed up to it.
2: Yeah, I think it's cool because one, it's unique, but two, it shows people fall in love in all kinds of different different ways, right? There's no... Kind of what you're talking about with the gimmicky romantic comedies is that they all kind of fall along the same lines, whereas these are telling stories of this is much different. Everybody falls in love in these different ways. So I think that's really cool. And then in my research, they actually... Rob Reiner actually had people come in and tell their stories. And then those actors retold those real stories. So all those stories were real that people were telling, which is kind of cool.
0: Some of them are, some of them have not age super well and we'll get into e- that a little bit. Even later, the guy but... that,
2: yeah. Even the guy that got divorced and <laughs> remarried like three times and then Several times, married, yeah. His, yeah, married his first wife. Yeah. So I thought, I think it's just unique. You, I haven't seen anything like that.
0: And Max, did you like starting in college and then basically five... So the first act is essentially we are introduced to them weaving the University of Chicago in 1977, I think. And then it's five-minute scene, five years flash-forward, five-minute scene, and then we're in the present. Did you think that was an effective way to kind of introduce the characters and introduce the relationship?
1: Yeah, I think because the alternate is what every other rom-com movie is. And like you said, kind of gimmicky where like, you know, she's in Hawaii for just happens to be three days and she happens to fall in love with this guy for three days. Like your Hallmark movie is like, Oh, I'm back in town for the weekend. Like, Oh geez. Like let's make a lifelong (laughs) Like this is 12 years, Uh, 12 years of their lives where they're friends for those 12 years. And then, you know, they go on to obviously get married. And, and I think that that is a hell of a lot more realistic than, what we maybe have come to know as the traditional rom-com um and, and what i don't know I to me that just seems more authentic and more realistic than than anything else
2: yeah and I, I also wanted to say too with the transitions obviously spoiler alert but the movie ends with them on the couch telling their story so it's kind of unique and it ties everything together in that way and allows the transitions to to be a little more important too because it's it's like, here's our unique story. That's kind of why we told all these other unique stories as well.
1: Yeah. And I guess that's the point Mason to not knock, I mean, hell, if you find love in two days and you get married to that person and like some of those other people, one of the, like in those interludes of the old people talking, like one of them's just like, I saw her walk in, I nudged my buddy. And I was like, Hey, I'm going to marry that girl. Like, Hey, good for you. If you can find love in two seconds, like more power to you. Like, I, I think that that's also kind of the interesting part of the movie is, Everyone is different, right? Like, like uh, um, Carrie Fisher's character, and uh, whatever that other guy's name is, um, yes. Jess. Yeah. When, when when Jess and Carrie Fisher's character, um, Bruno Kirby. Shout out Bruno Kirby. When He's Bruno funny Kirby good morning, Kirby, Vietnam. <laughs> nice. Um, those two like kind of discover each other by accident, and they're like in the middle of Harry and Sally's relationship, and like part of Harry and Sally's experience is them helping each other move into each other's place. So I just think that, yeah, it is, it speaks to how everyone's a little bit different and how that process works.
0: We can't knock that a woman trying to get a guy to hate her in 10 days would not turn into a fruitful relationship. So I don't want to talk too much shit about movies like that. And to Max's original Hawaii point, I thought you were going down a, you were going to shit on forgetting Sarah Marshall. And I was about to, end meeting for you and mute you <laughs> so i was very i was very afraid of where you're gonna go but you you swerved out of it and that was nice yeah was it would have been
1: <laughs> it, it wouldn't have been uh, great i was more referencing uh a, a recent favorite that i just rewatched again is 51st dates you know that that's one of my faves not really the oh. the criteria of uh, forgetting sarah marshall marshall but uh definitely what i was getting more at
2: yeah no i i was gonna say it would have been an awkward pod if uh if there was Sarah Marshall slander, but but much, much appreciated.
1: All the love and respect to Sarah Marshall. Sorry for, sorry for even somewhat <laughs> insinuating that I hate it. Do
0: we, how much do we hate Billy Crystal's hair at the beginning though? Can we, can we at least, can we get a can I get a minute on Billy Crystal's shitty, shitty wig job? Love it. I think no. it's fine. What's wrong with yeah, it? Yeah. I, I oh it's my great. God, guys, don't give him a pass. Okay. I know we love this movie, but let's, he's, he's, he's doing the, college
2: thing he's a young guy he looks like
0: he's fucking 45 i was can we get the makeup department can we get a better wig person rob reiner i it's the hardest i laughed at the whole movie was trying to imagine them pretending that billy crystal is 21 in that opening scene meg ryan (laughs) she can pass meg ryan is fantastic in this movie we'll get to that but billy crystal I just, it didn't feel right until he was 32. And then I was like, oh yeah, you got a beard. You're in your early thirties. You're getting divorced. Makes sense.
1: So uh, some on the spot internet research. In 1989, Billy Crystal was 41. Thank you. That was a, look at that. On the spot. So yeah, that, that's a good point. But you know, movie magic, baby. I, you, you could have told me he was in college and I'd have believed it. Maybe the Maybe hair was, stupid. when he starts growing the beard, then he, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we can rag on it a little bit.
2: I, I guess I guess to your point of that, I think like the hair itself is good. But maybe to your point of fitting the profile of a 21-year-old,
0: a yeah, I'll give you that for sure. Okay, I kind of have an interesting question. I was thinking about this on uh, on the rewatch. So when you're first introduced to them in college and on the drive, they both kind of suck. They're both – you as an audience aren't thinking – Oh my God, Meg Ryan is, she's kind of a tight ass. She's being really annoying. And Billy Crystal's immediately a dick. He's spitting grapes on the windshield. It's just, it's not great. Who do we hate more in that first five minutes? Max, take it away.
1: Um, I don't know. I kind of appreciate uh, Billy Crystal's like pessimism a little bit, just because it's kind of charming and funny uh you know when he I I love the spitting the grape at the window thing and he just kind of plays it off and he's like oh I guess I'll roll down the window and then like doesn't even bother to clean up the like the pit that he spit against the window he just like rolls down the window like nothing um and then when he talks about how he like he has a dark side and he always thinks about death and he always reads the last page of a book um I think it's easy to like think that sally is a little bit of a tight ass and and high maintenance which is brought up later in the movie um so i definitely think like maybe as a guy maybe that's another thing too as as i was gonna say
0: sexist pig alert
1: yeah so so maybe as a guy you're naturally inclined to like be team billy crystal um as opposed to team meg ryan but i don't know i think i end up being team sally in if it's any if it's worth any
0: way to way to save that because mar and mar and max's girlfriend's gonna listen to this and he had to swerve (laughs) at the end so that's a good save nice mason
2: Yeah, I was going to s- – pretty much the same thing as Max. I won't swerve away because, you know, I got it in me to to hold it down for uh, – He's looking his girlfriend Billy in the Christ. eye and saying, Billy
0: Crystal, I stand Billy Crystal, babe.
2: Billy Crystal is the man. No, he uh, – no, but kind of the same thing where Billy Crystal's speaking his mind. He's no filter, but – Meg Ryan is you know uptight or whatever you want to call her but you could give her the benefit of the doubt where she's like trying to avoid him she thinks he's annoying whatever so she's she's playing off of him um but I think yeah I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with team I'm team Billy for sure
0: I think Billy just gets some he gets some fucking one-liners in there that are really good at one point he's telling her that she's never had good sex and that's why she's acting the way she is. And I wrote it down, but it's Sheldon can, Sheldon can do your root canal, but humping and pumping is not his game. <laughs> and I thought like that, that it for me, it was a, it was, they were neck and neck and that put Billy over the top for me.
2: And he was, he was getting almost philosophical in a way. He he spoke whatever he thought and why he thought it in depth. And I thought that was and Meg Ryan plays off of that, you know. She she hears what he's saying and interprets based on on his thoughts. So, and I expect you can see that as they're walking out to the car and they're having this back and forth of uh, that. That's kind of when the f- being friends thing all starts.
0: I think it's really interesting that they they introduce some of the bits that come in later. Uh, they kind of introduce the throughout the movie. Meg Ryan talks, and then. Billy Crystal have a thought. She like say something. He's like, never mind. And then she like tell me, you know. And him not wanting to tell her makes her. And they introduced that in that first scene. And I I kind of liked that. Some of the dynamics of their friend, even though they hate each other, that first meeting. Some of the dynamics of the payoffs are there for later when they're friends and falling in love. And I thought that was a really effective device because you can tell that even though they hate each other, there's there's some chemistry there. They're playing off each other. Yeah, well, and, that's and
1: even just the use of the word hate there from you, Chris. Like, in the end, and, and this is probably stepping on the toes of something we'll talk about later, but Meg Ryan never says that she loves him in the end. She just says, I hate you, and then they have their New Year's kiss, right? Like, that. that's like the whole premise of the movie. She starts out hating him, but like, I also just watched 10 things I hate about you, right? Like, that's that's another thing, uh, where it's like you hate this person so much, but you also love them. I'm not, I haven't quite. Digesting. Rihanna. Rihanna are, you, are you about to about give
0: that? me that? Are you about to give me that? Are you about to give me that ten things I hate about you" line? Are you about to be Julia Styles for me?
1: I, I could have that ready for you if you want, but maybe we should move on. Oh, I thought
0: you. Did, I didn't know. I thought you knew how to type your head. I think Mason probably knows how to of his head.
2: I don't. I don't have it prepared. I wasn't prepared. Oh my prepared. god! Guys. I wasn't prepared for this. I wasn't.
0: Unbelievable. Because the end of it is, I hate you not even a little bit. Or ah, I'm gonna fuck it up. Ah, uh, uh, who don't, didn't. Uh, who I didn't have it ready now. I don't know it, but I love that. We have to do a 10 things I hate about you pod just for everyone involved. We have to, Um, but she doesn't say it. And that does really cut to the front of the line of what we're going to talk about at the end of the pod next, but I'll allow it. I'll allow it, but okay. So we're through that kind of, actually, let's talk about the, his thesis. I want to talk about the thesis. If we're kind of just moving through this chronologically, do we agree with this thesis? Can men and women be platonic friends? Men's perspective only
2: here. I think, I, I just feel like it's not the, it doesn't cover the whole kind of how he goes into the amendment when they're in the. Uh, yeah, when there's amendments. The, okay. Yeah. I, I think there's totally amendments. I couldn't tell you what they are off the top of my head, um, but there is some truth to the original thesis. There's definitely, <laughs> there's definitely people that are friends with that have every intention to not be friends down the road. And then but additionally there's people that are friends with the opposite sex that, you know, maybe grew up together or they have their friends through their significant other or whatever it may be. So I don't know. There's amendments, but there's definitely some truth to to the thesis, especially for two single people.
0: Boy, am you agree?
1: I, I think I agree with Mason in that there's a little bit of nuance to it. Um, and I, I think that's kind of the interesting part of the movie is that, like, there's not really a right answer, right? Like, and that's kind of the cool thing, just with with the direction, kind of, I guess, you get from the beginning, as far as what, I get, kind of how it started, where Rob Reiner, right, is telling the story from his perspective as a man who's just fresh off a divorce in 1985 or whatever year it was and he's talking about his adjustment to the single life and then you have Nora Ephron who wrote the movie who's talking about her perspective as a woman and just like the difference in how their opinions about this this thesis are just so different and there is nuance I I don't know where I fall uh, on 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 the official uh thesis of it I'd like to think that I don't know. I feel like I'm team Sally. I'm team Sally, where I do think that it is possible to have plutonic friends of the opposite sex. Um, But you know, I, I I think there's a lot of nuance to it and there's a lot of uh, complexities that aren't necessarily fleshed out in the movie.
0: Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a truism. And in the words of Ferris Bueller, I don't believe in isms. A man shouldn't believe in isms, a man should believe in himself. And I, I tend to live my life by that truism. So I don't really I don't really dive too far into that. I think there's truth in the fact that there'll always be some tension in a female, male relation friendship, but there's amendments to the rule because I think we all individually have girls that we're strictly platonic friends with. And even when we've been single. At the same time as them, they've been strictly platonic friendships. So I think if anything, knowing this group of three, as well as I do, we are examples of the fact that these, um, these amendments exist.
2: Your answer sounds a little dodgy, Chris. Yeah, bro. Like you, got
1: your, you got your dancing shoes on. <laughs>
2: what?
0: That's what you guys said. I'm agreeing with you guys.
2: I don't know the way well, you, you want me to come in hot takes. No, no. The way you presented it just felt like
0: avoiding, avoiding something. I don't know. I mean, I'm. i just. I was just saying my truth. I nah. Bueller, I. I said my piece, man. Okay, I'm.
2: I'm just. I'm just airing. Airing things out here.
0: Hey, we keep it real on this. <laughs> on the,
1: we don't want any fake shit here.
0: <laughs> I think that there's. I think I can think of instances in each person here's life where you've been friends with a girl where one of us was hoping it was going to go somewhere else, and I think that many times people are afraid to admit it to themselves where they kind of bury it. And if the other one, they find out the other person's involved, like interested, they're like, well, of course I would, if she was interested, but you're only not interested if she's not interested. Right, and that's right, right, right. some true shit.
2: Yeah. That's, that's fair. That's totally, that's facts. Yep. I, I think that's something I thought about too, was <laughs> now we're just getting into the, the philosophy of it all. But like you could be friends with somebody, but if the option's there, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if, but if the option's not there, then, you know, no worries.
1: Well, I also think that we're limited in our experience, right? Like we're, we're all 24, 25 years old. And like, we're
0: at, we're both 25. You're only 24.
1: <laughs> we're all young bucks. All right. So like, we're at the point now where, you know, up until this point, we've kind of just been like, yeah, whatever. Like I I know, I guess from our experience, Chris in high school and, you know, Mason, as we got into college, all three of us are so limited in our experience and that, yeah, we're, we're 24, 25 years old and yeah, I don't know. I just feel like we have the the ability to just kind of say, oh, like, yeah, sure. Like, we, we can just kind of be like a little bit less concerned with the permanence of our decisions.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, in high school, any of the girls we were friends with in high school, if one of them would have been like, hey, let's date Max or let's date Chris or let's date Mason. It's like, yeah, OK, gun in sure, my yeah. head, I guess I'll do it. And we would sure. parte- But when someone, when one of their friends asked you, Hey, do you have a crush on her? Are you guys like texting a lot. You're hanging out a lot. It's, you were immediately like, yo, no, like I'm not into it. And you had to play that game. And I think to Max's point, I think the older you get, the easier it is to have these platonic friendships that aren't built on that same basis. But when you're younger, you always are, you're not thinking long-term. You're thinking this week, it'd be sweet to have a girlfriend.
2: Do you think that's uh, reflected in the movie too, as far as how they set things up?
0: Yeah, I think the way they age as as characters, I think that's a good point. I think Billy Crystal was not capable of being friends with Meg Ryan in 1977 as he was leaving the University of Chicago. But then when he sees her 10 years later, he's actually really thoughtful. He's asking her questions about her breakup. She's giving him really thoughtful answers and he's making her laugh. And then that's when she asks him to go to dinner he's like oh yeah we're gonna be friends and he's no longer thinking about that thesis anymore because he's grown up oh max nothing okay max i thought max had something really astute no, to felt- add to that. no
1: Thank no I, I couldn't i couldn't let
0: that. that was really good i kind of wanted to ask you guys and I, if you guys don't have notes on the transitions that's fine but what was your favorite transition
2: i think the one the one that's stood out the most was the guy that got divorced multiple I was times. that's my favorite one yeah that's I, I think that one's funny but another one is the couple that's telling their story side by dialogue wise side by side he says something she is yes. she is saying she's adding to the story before he even finishes his next sentence. And then he starts his next sentence before she finishes her last. I, I just think that's a funny dynamic because I feel like there's totally couples like that and older couples, especially that will tell the story side by side without letting the other person finish their, their sentence before moving on.
1: I think the one where the couple's talking about how their marriage was actually arranged and. Oh he, yeah. He, yeah the guy was like, oh, like I, I had to sneak over to, to her place just to see if like, you know, she was attractive and I actually yeah, went. her
0: village. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and so I, I always thought that one was kind of funny because again, love is love has all kinds of different forms and stuff. And like, I think that couple at that point, whenever they were filming, it had been married 55 years or something crazy like that. Um, so I don't know. I just think that that's again, another really cool part about the movie is that everyone's a little bit different. Everyone's story is a little bit different and sometimes it works out.
0: I think to Mason's point about that, kind of the way the dialogue and that one lined up, they do that several times throughout the movie where there's the four-way call with Carrie Fisher and them right after Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal have sex, which we're going to get to that scene a little later. But I just want to talk about the writing in this before we get really into specific scenes. The writing is fucking amazing in this movie.
1: It yeah, is really, no
0: really, really good. Everything they're doing makes sense it seems realistic it seems like it's so snappy and nothing's like
2: forced or labored it's really really clean and sounds sounds great as as each character develops into uh, into their personality and how
0: they interact with others max did you have when you first saw this was it did you think more about the characters or were you thinking about the way you, uh, I'm trying to think how I want to say it, but were you like, this movie is really character driven or you're like, holy shit, that was a really great script. Cause I think I, you, sometimes you leave movies in different perspectives.
1: Yeah, I would say definitely the latter. The second thing of what you said, um, I have held and I should have tested it out for the second watch, but I think an interesting way to rewatch this would be to actually not like watch it visually to just listen to it almost like a podcast. And I think you wouldn't miss a beat. I mean, you would miss out on some of the cool visuals, like the Central Park scene in the, in the fall. And I think that scene where they're in the museum is really cool because you have that backdrop of all the, all the autumn colors. Um, but I think you hit every you check every box if you're just listening to it and, and like really absorbing the script because you get, of course, the dialogue, which is what this entire movie is based off of. But also you get the music, which I think is really important. And we can maybe talk about that later. But I mean, I don't think you miss anything if you're not getting the visuals. Um, I almost think it might be a little bit better Um, if you're just, I mean, like I said, almost like a podcast format, no visual, just, uh, just like what you're hearing. Um, So yeah, definitely, I would say more of a, and and I mean, that's what I think what it's critically renowned for was critically renowned for. And that's why it's aged so well is how the script has really held up over these years.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. I think that you could definitely listen to this whole movie and you'd, you'd know exactly what happened Mm -hmm. and you you would would miss the visuals, but You'd, you'd follow the movie completely. And that's a, a testament that would, to the movie.
2: That would be really interesting to listen to it as a podcast and see how people react. Because you know how people will listen to like a audiobook or a story um, on a long car ride or airplane ride or whatever it may be. It would be interesting to see this in that form, but solely as the audio from from the movie. That would be, I'd be interested to see how people react to that.
0: Let's get into let's get into a little bit of favorite scenes. Let's let's dive right in. Max, give me give me one or two that really that you just love.
1: Yeah, my runaway favorite scene is where they're at the baseball game, where Harry and Jess are at the baseball game, and or no, it's a football game. At it's football a Bears game, game. yeah, they're yeah. a Bears game, and uh they're just like having this super serious conversation about harry's wife wanting to divorce him and while they're having this conversation they're like doing the wave (laughs) and like just carrying the conversation on um i just think that that's really i don't know to me and again maybe as a guy like i think that that's really you can really empathize with that as a guy because that's what you that's what you do with your boys like you go to a football game you go to the batting cages and you just talk about like the realest shit whenever you're just doing just stupid stuff like you're just being a a dumb guy um and that's you know it's just just makes me laugh
0: oh my Um, god i think it's so great
1: (laughs) It's just it's very funny and i i I dig jesse's like or jess's look where he just has the mustache like the cheesy mustache and the glasses um so I, i i i really like that scene and i really like um the bookstore scene actually that was when you asked earlier about like transitions i thought you were talking about like timeline transitions not necessarily like the actual interludes but when they're both in the bookstore and they're both like kind of down right like Sally's just had broken up with whatever her uh, boyfriend's name was and then uh, Harry had just gotten divorced like they're both meeting each other again at a very fortuitous time where they're both you know not seeing anybody and they're kind of both down Um, I really like that scene too just because I think Carrie Fisher is the ultimate wingman um, and she kind of throws an alley oop and uh, sends it home. Shout
0: out to Princess Leia.
2: Yeah, I like I like that a lot too. Where she just dips out and leaves them to it, basically. That's a
0: bro move, Mace. Yeah, Mace, give me give me a scene or two you like. Uh, for sure, my
2: favorite scene, hands down, is at at they're at Cat's Delicatessen, which is a sandwich shop in New York. It is the best sandwich I've ever had in my entire life. This, I'm not kidding shout out Cat's delicatessen. Um, super famous and lots of celebrities have been there before and they're known for this scene in this movie too um, but it's when they're in the sandwich shop and uh, they're she's talking about faking an orgasm how he doesn't know for sure if it's never happened to him and then she does it out loud and the famous quote is obviously I'll have what she's having which is hilarious speaks to the writing again and I would love that scene because their back and forth is funny. Faking an orgasm in the middle of a sandwich shop is hilarious. And then the line to kind of wrap it all together is is beautiful. So uh, I love that. I love the history that goes with it. I love how it's like New York grounded in this establishment that's uh, uh, everything New York. So that that's definitely hands down my favorite scene for sure.
0: Let's see how much research you guys did. Who's the lady that says I'll have what she's having?
1: Oh, uh, I'm glad you asked, baby. Who knows? <laughs> I know. Who knows? Let's hear Rob it. Reiner's mom, baby. One of the nice. most important right. clients in cinematography. Rob Reiner's mom. And that actually, so I don't know, Chris, how how deep you dove into this scene, but i'm really deep
0: into it let's hear what let's hear what you think let's hear your elementary level analysis buddy
1: half-ass internet research they were talking about doing this scene they were talking about well actually so it, it was originally started between a conversation between rob reiner um and, and nora efren the writer and they were talking about nora nora brings up that women fake orgasms and you know again rob reiner had the same reaction that harry did he was like oh no they don't like that with me all this stuff and then billy crystal actually kind of spices it up in a very Billy Crystal way. And he says, well, why don't we have this conversation like in a very public setting? And then um, Meg Ryan says like, oh, I'll just fake an orgasm right here in front of everybody. Um, And then actually Billy Crystal wrote the line, the I'll have what she's having. Um, And I think Rob was like pretty stoked because he was looking for a way to incorporate his mom in the movie. So bam, look whose research
0: paid off, baby. Let's go.
2: Nice. That is a nice piece of research to have ready.
0: I had that ready to go. I had that ready to go in my back pocket. So I appreciate Max. You know, that was, that was nice. And Meg Ryan, I think it's so cool that she was like, because originally in the script, it was when they were, it was going to be them talking about it, them discussing how women fake orgasms. She was going to explain to them. But then she said, why don't I just fake one? Like, I'll do it. And Rob Brown was like, oh, that's hilarious. And I think, especially we have to put this movie in 1989. That was not done that was a groundbreaking thing to do a, to be talking about that B for a woman that just be like, fuck it. Like I'm going to do this in a public place and have it succeed and have it not be shamed and all everything else that went along with that. I think it was, it's aged really well. It's really funny because it's making fun of the fact that guys don't fucking know anything about that's why that's so funny is men do not fucking understand women. And it's, they understand us so well and in that one scene you get the perfect understanding of like a men women dynamic and it comes out perfectly and a fake orgasm is the vehicle in which we are told this like universal truth that we know nothing and they know everything
2: yeah and i think i think they could have they could have totally had meg ryan explain it in words and explain it really eloquently but having her perform it live is the perfect way to to send it out
0: and then the the rob reiner's mom like and then it's over and it's perfect because this movie's only an hour 35 hour 36 minutes it's perfect like the pacing of this movie i kept thinking about that is it's just moving along we're moving it forward there's really no wasted strokes there's not transition shots of the park and Every, I mean, there is a couple little like mini transitions where like Louis Armstrong plays, but for the most part, this movie is movies are moving forward, moving forward. And I think that I love, just loved how she fakes the orgasm. We get the line and then we're out of there. We're out of the diner. Now we're on the, them buying a Christmas tree or whatever it is. And officially, officially the diner every
1: movie 40 or an hour and a half long starting right now. I don't need your three hour Irishman bullshit. I need quick in and out. <laughs> Give me an experience and let me leave, baby. We are starting the motion here.
0: I like long movies too, but you better have something to say. I am like, I don't want to litigate short versus long movies. Both can be done effectively. I think it's interesting that no one has mentioned the end scene yet. And I'm just going to, I'm going to take the baton. And I'm going to say that I fucking love the end of this movie. I think it's a perfect conclusion to the movie. And wrapping up a rom-com is often in my opinion, fumbled. I, I'm going to keep shitting on How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days because I don't like that movie. But It's too bad. In it, that movie, they're just in the New York street and they, it's like he says bullshit because he played bullshit with a parent. It's terrible. It's fucking it's terrible. I hate it. And that, Mason, we're not litigating it. It's terrible. <laughs> and in this movie, Billy Crystal's sitting around on New Year's. Shout out. We're going to drop this on New Year's because Max suggested it. They're on New Year's And they had had that great New Year's dance the year before had kind of been, I want to kiss you, but I don't, I don't kiss you because what are we? And then we get that final scene, he's alone and he just runs to her and he gives one of these, one of the best lines of dialogue ever about all the reasons he loves her. And that he, once you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, you don't want to wait till tomorrow to like make the rest of your life right now. Something. I can't remember the exact wordage, but. It's perfect. It's the perfect conclusion. And then bam, they're on the couch. Now they're doing the interludes and it's over. It's beautiful.
1: Hey Chris. Yeah. Hey Chris. I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes (laughs) you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend the day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I wanna talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely. It's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible.
0: You say things like that, Max, <laughs> and I want to hate you.
1: <laughs> I think this is part where we kiss. But
2: if yeah, I could kiss you through it, Zoom right now, I'd... I'd do anything to see that. I mean,
1: we could make that happen.
0: <laughs> that was awesome, Max. Thank you very much. That was a good. That was a yeah. good line read.
2: That was really well executed. Um, with this scene, how he runs to her—you know—we have the classic uh, chase somebody through an airport scene uh, that we see a lot in rom-coms. But this is a race against the clock. He's trying to—he's trying to get there before uh, before the clock strikes midnight. So I think that's just a, a different take on some of the things that we see in in other romantic comedies. Uh, that I really love because he's he realizes he's running out of time and as Max so just so greatly performed he he wants to start his his life now
0: we got a little Hamlet on here he looks like Hamlet too with the fucking Lord Farquaad flow had to work (laughs) that into the pod Max Um, I want to I wrote down a bunch of lines that I just thought were fucking hilarious and I don't know if you guys have written wrote anything down of favorite lines or favorite little piece of dialogue so mace did you have any anything that stuck out to you
2: i don't i don't have anything written but i'd love to hear your list and we rank them out of out of 10
0: Ooh. i don't know if i have 10 but maybe between me and max's writing we can get to 10 and then we can rank. oh i just
2: 10. i just meant like on a on a scale of
0: oh how good a, it a, is at 10. I thought, okay
2: yeah yeah yeah
0: okay so i already did the sheldon can you do your root canal but humping and pumping is not his game. That's a ten. That's that's really a guy named Sheldon is not good at sex. I stand I stand that hill. Sorry <laughs> to all the Sheldons that listen to this pod. We we know you okay. <laughs> I think I wrote down they don't make Sunday because of God. When just talking about her <laughs> <our> underwear. <laughs> that one and that's
2: really funny.
0: <laughs> just because of God got me that got me hard. I yeah. think that's a ten, that's a ten for me as well, Max. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, not necessarily like a quick jab, but I think it's funny when they're at uh, when they're at the wedding, when they're at their friend's wedding, when they're at uh, Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby's wedding. Um, like the cheers that he gives is like to Harry and Sally. Like if we found either of them even remotely attractive, we wouldn't be here today. And they had obviously just had this big fight.
0: Ten, tens. Um, tens, yeah. tens on the board. Yeah, I yeah,
2: think- that's and and that one's realistic too. As far you could totally see somebody saying that at a wedding for people that brought them together Yeah, 10 for sure.
1: The other one that I have is um, when when Sally is having her her moment about just or about her ex getting married um, you know she's talking about how the clock is ticking for, for, for her that you know she's gonna be 40 and, and Billy Chris is like yeah in eight years and she's like it's different for men like men can have babies their whole lives and she's like Charlie Chaplin had kids when he was 73 and, and Harry goes, yeah, but he was too old to pick them up. And there's just like that brief moment, like this really nice smile that Sally gives, which again, I think speaks to their chemistry, but just that like that one little thing really turned around her experience and you know, obviously led to a pretty steamy evening for the two of them. Not the
0: heat. Yeah, yeah, hot. Okay, I had two more lines written down. Uh, one of them's funny and one of them I just, I like. Um, good thing about depression, get your rest. <laughs> <laughs> she's talking about she's like i was depressed and i went to bed at 7 30 she's like i haven't been to 7 30 since i was in third grade he's like great thing about depression you get your rest i think that's fucking hilarious yeah i like that a lot and then at one point i guess this this takes us down a more philosophical road but she says i don't miss joe i miss the idea of him hmm. and i think when we've all been through breakups and i think you miss the idea of a person i think I've caught myself doing that and I I, hearing that line, I just thought it was a really, I was like, shit, that's really true. You do miss the idea of a person more than you miss being with that person. So I just like that line a lot.
2: Agreed. Great line. Yeah. Give that one a 10 too.
0: Let's talk, let's talk soundtrack boys. Yes. What's our faves? What's our faves?
2: Well, I'm going to, I'm going to start off cause Louis Armstrong to start. The movie is great. They and how they town? do a they do a couple different uh, cuts between dialogue of Louis Armstrong, Little Ella Fitzgerald, some Sinatra. They really kept this theme going with uh, things that we we consider um, old and classical, and they did a really good job. Everything fit so well; it felt uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it felt New York in a way uh, as it fit with the theme of the city and uh the culture in a way i don't i don't know quite how to describe it but i love all that that older stuff and i think they just executed it so well
0: i fucking love the louis Armstrong. i think the louis armstrong song at the beginning tomato tomato potato but it sets the tone it just sets and it is new york i don't know why it's new york but it's 80s new york it's just the feel of the movie is louis armstrong
1: I'm really glad we're moving away, Chris, from your weird obsession with Boston movies
0: and finally giving some love <laughs> to some New York movies. Because this, I'm doing week, the town, I'm doing the town next week out of spite. Now, <laughs> <laughs> just really double down on the Boston <sighs> bullshit.
1: No, I, I think that that I, I think the setting is also part of the draw of the music. Like I imagine that if I were walking around New York and I was in love. And like, I was trying to win back my girl, like she's on the other side of town at some New Year's Eve party. Like that's the kind of music that I'd be hearing in my head as I was kicking around rocks, like kind of crying a little bit as I'm hearing those songs and thinking about it. And I mean, Chris, you said the song already, like the let's call the whole thing off. Like I love, I, I, I love that song. And I think that that's a really, a really good, again, just as you're walking around New York, like I just think those are good, good songs to hear as you're walking around what, what I would say one of the most romantic cities in the world.
0: People say zeitgeist, and I've never known what it means, but this movie tapped into a New York zeitgeist. Yeah. So I'm just going gonna, gonna to throw that out there. If it sticks, it sticks. I don't even know what that means.
1: I'm not sure how to spell that. It's
0: provocative. <laughs> I, I really like, let's call the whole thing off. I just think every choice they made fit. There wasn't anything, and I think it was a really smart choice, and probably why this movie's aged so well. Some movies, the soundtrack is so of the time that it almost ham like 89 hair metal is really popular Bon Jovi and Motley Crue and all that bullshit. If home sweet home by Motley Crue is in this movie and I'm watching it in 20, 20- it feels fucking weird because Louis Armstrong's in it 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 makes this movie's timeless. The only thing that yeah, made yeah. it not timeless was them at the computer. Her, at yeah. one point she's typing on an old ass computer but other than that you could have told me this movie came on 2020 and I would have been like oh yeah I guess
2: yeah I think I think you could have done that right you could have had the 80s rock music but that's not that's not what this movie is about no we don't care about the 80s we don't care what's going on in the news we don't care about the pop culture it's all about these two and how they interact and their relationship and I that's what makes it timeless, right? Nothing's changed in the, you know, since since that time of what we're experiencing. I mean, other than technology and sometimes how we interact, but the story stays the same, right? Boy meets girl you interact your friends for a little bit, maybe. And I think that's to the point of how they bring in all these stories. But I think that is why the music is so, so important to have that timeless music that plays into the setting. It plays into the characters, the story,
0: all that. I want to do at least 10 minutes on Meg Ryan. Cause <laughs> I think she's fucking amazing in this movie. And we're going to talk about her performance, but first I want, I'm going to give you three Meg Ryan rom-coms, famous rom-coms, and you need to rank them. We have When Harry Met Sally. We have Sleepless in Seattle. We have You've Got Mail. Three iconic all-time rom-coms. Where do you put her performances? What's your hierarchy? It's
2: tough. First, just first thought, no no really in-depth thought i think it's the order you just gave i think so
1: too and
2: yeah, yeah i i think because i i don't know something about this I, this is the second time i've watched it as well and this was recommended by chris the first time actually and i loved it the first time and i i watched sleepless in seattle uh, a couple years ago just because i watched sleepless in seattle and uh, it's Were you in, in seattle, seattle
0: well yeah you've
2: got mail yeah so so i was in seattle and then there's so many jokes in uh, i feel like i watch a lot of uh, comedy television i feel like there's so many jokes about sleepless in seattle and and you've got mail so i watched both of those because i wanted to like better understand jokes that i was hearing about them but i ended up like loving them a lot too um but i think with the intent of how I watched it and then watching it all develop the way it did. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with when Harry met Sally at one.
1: Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Uh, I think the only observation I would throw in there with what Mason said is that I think the common thread that's in all three of those movies is Nora Efren's involvement. Um, and I think that speaks to just how well a movie can be made, especially with you know her being in, her being in charge. And I, she, died, she died a while ago. I think she had leukemia.
0: Yeah, um, she did. Rest yeah. in peace.
1: Oh so, rip. But um no, I, I would have to agree with that with that the the order of that. I just think that this movie I mean, when you think of rom coms, I guess like you bring up those other two, but I think that this one is great because it did it first. Like this to me seems like the one where it's like, okay, it's not necessarily always about who did it first. I think that's a Drake line. It ain't about who did it first, it's about who did it right. Right. So this one True. both did it first and did it right.
2: And and like you definitely didn't see this one first. Obviously, you've seen plenty of other romantic comedies first. So going back and being like, Whoa, they did a really good job and they did it before all those other ones that I also like as well.
0: For me, it's when Harry I think Meg Ryan's performance of when Harry Harry met when Harry met Sally is just I think if she could have got an Oscar for Best Actress that year, I would have been okay with it. I think she's doing so much in this movie. And I think it's a travesty that the Academy doesn't respect comedy performances or nuanced comedy performances enough. But you, I would put You've Got Mail actually second. I've never been a huge Sleepless in Seattle fan, but I grew up with the You've Got Mail VHS with my parents. Shout out to Gil and Susan. And that movie invented internet dating. And I think her performance in that, she's a small business owner. Tom Hanks is coming. I think there's a lot of really great stuff in there. You get young Dave Chappelle. So it's you got mails weirdly close for me on that list, but that's just that's personal preference.
2: Interesting. Maybe I need to go back and
0: you should rewatch it. It's really fucking get weird.
2: another you've got mail session in.
0: But to back to the original us fangirling on or fanboying on <laughs> when Harry met Sally. Fan
2: fanboying.
0: Hey oh there <laughs> he <laughs> is. <laughs> boop boop boop. Uh I think that Meg Ryan in this movie is she's crying. She's making me laugh. She's beautiful. It's just everything she's doing in this movie. It just works.
1: Yeah.
2: She's, she's every woman. She, she can do it all.
0: She,
1: she like, and I think this, the chemistry, right? Like kind of talked about that earlier. Like the chemistry that her and Billy Crystal have is really great. And I think she's obviously able to do that with anyone that she works with, with Tom Hanks in the other two. Um, I don't know. She's just charming. She's funny. Uh, you know, she, she talks about how she's like uptight and when she's, you know, struggling with her ex going and getting married, like she says that she's not like flexible enough or, you know, not adaptable enough or something like that she's talking about. And I don't know, like maybe we don't see enough of her, but to me, she seems like a catch and uh, good for Billy Crystal for, for,
0: for moving in on that. I think if I was making her Oscar clip, and I just show one scene from this movie and be like, here's my pitch. My pitch is the scene where she's talking about, it's right after they made the bookstore and then it cuts to them at a coffee shop. And she's talking about, she goes on this long dialogue about her and Joe were dating and they wanted the same thing at first. But then eventually it was, we, could, we didn't want to have kids because we could have sex on the kitchen floor. We could fly to Rome. And then she's babysitting uh, her friend's kid and they're playing the i spy game and she says i saw the kids that i spy family she goes i broke down crying and then i realized we're not doing any of those things we're not having sex on the tile floor it's shitty tile and we're not flying to rome and i just thought her nuance in that scene i could feel her pain it was so relatable of like you say these things about how you want your life to be but then are you doing these things like you're pretending you're justifying your decisions based on that. And I thought just the way she expressed that scene, that's my Oscar clip for her.
2: Yeah. I think she performed it super well. And then again, that speaks to the writing because it feels, it feels so specific and real of here's this little thing that set you off and really changed your, your timeline and your story of, of how you're developing as a, as a person
0: that scene speak to max
1: yeah i mean it's just it's raw it's it's super vulnerable for her i also just think like it's just crazy to me how like you don't know what you want until like bam it hits you right in the face like you don't know what you want until you're with a kid right like just this stupid kid who's you're playing i spy with this kid and one thing that they say i spy a family and boom right like that she tapped into that very well. And it it just, it seems real. Like I just, you know, not being super familiar with Meg Ryan or Billy Crystal, like Billy Crystal, in my mind will always be Mike Wazowski, right? Uh, Which is kind of a bummer. And, you know, Meg Ryan really stopped making movies when we were, you know, growing up. So I, I, I think that as I'm watching this movie, I'm not watching Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan, right? Like I'm watching Harry and Sally, which I think is really, uh, speaks to their performances. And, and obviously on this topic, specifically Meg Ryan's just being very real, being visceral and vulnerable.
0: I completely agree. I think it's, it makes me sad that, you know, the nineties was kind of her peak. And then the two thousands, she just hit a rough patches, women actresses do. And Hollywood has notorious for you to a certain age in Hollywood unless you're Meryl Streep, they kind of kick you to the curb. And I think she's a fatality of that. And it really bums me out because I just watch this movie. and I think, holy shit, she is so talented. She reminds me a lot of uh, my parallel is like Goldie Hawn. If you watch young Goldie Hawn where she's funny, but she can be romantic and she can be strong when she slaps Billy Crystal. I'm like, she just oh, slapped yeah. him.
1: Yeah.
2: You I'm know? surprised we haven't talked about that. That's really Really good, really powerful, especially yeah, after when she wedding.
0: slaps him. Yeah, because they've just, you know, stuck together. Billy freaks out because I, I think, I guess we could. Why does he freak out? I was kind of curious about that, but I was under the impression that he was kind of panicking about ruining their friendship, maybe. Is that yeah, why he, he just wanted that?
2: He just wanted things to go back to normal. He felt bad for, for, or. Like he said on the phone, he felt suffocated and felt pressured. So uh, I think he just it was just an overreaction on his end because he wasn't sure what he wanted.
1: And the thing he says that really sets her off for the slap is because he wants to just, yeah, like we said, get over it. And she, he, he says that she's processing it like a dog aging where, you know, like one year for a person is seven years for a dog. And so he makes that comparison and, and she's like, in this instance, am I the dog? And he's like, yeah. And then bam, like slaps him in the face.
0: She she doesn't know that he once made a woman meow. So I mean, she couldn't she couldn't know that.
1: You made her meow.
0: <laughs> that's really good. Yeah, I think that's. But to the to the point, I mean, every she puts every even her like ugly crying thing when jo, she finds out Josie. I was kind of laughing at the way she's crying, but then I'm like, because she's kind of crying and then she's laughing and then she's immediately ugly crying again, and I was like, that's really hard to pull off effectively. Because that can go really exaggerated. Crying can be really bad if not done right, and she nails that. And then when she looks up at him, and they kind of kiss, and then she says, "Just keep holding me." And then they go in for the second kiss. And you're like, Billy's screwed. Like there's just no way Billy's getting out of there.
2: I think that kiss wins MTV Kiss of the Year mm. for sure.
0: It, does it take it away from Tobey Maguire and Spider-Man one easily? <laughs> No doubt. That, in my mind. That's one of the best gags in Tropic Thunder <laughs> and former MTV Award best kiss winner, Toby <laughs> McGuire <laughs> in devil's bathtub. That shit's amazing. <laughs> okay. I'm going to steer, I'm going to steer us back on track. Uh, I think a really funny scene that we didn't talk about that. I just, I'm kind of in la- final thoughts, but kind of just all over the place right now is they're singing Oklahoma. And I think this is a really relatable thing where you've bumped into an ex and you're doing something embarrassing or your guard's kind of down and you don't expect it and they're singing Oklahoma and he's being goofy with this new girl and then all of a sudden it's bam there's my ex-wife she's with the guy she left me for and now I'm existing in that world and they deal with the fallout but I think they did a really good job of capturing that feeling of I didn't expect to see my ex and she's right there I've been with Mason when we bumped into one of his exes and it's just like It throws you and i've run into x's and it throws me
2: yeah you're like totally having fun your guard's totally down and then this happens and you have to it's it's like fight or flight really you're like okay i gotta i gotta get my head right and uh they they totally did a good job and i think i think meg ryan did a good job too of just still being in the moment not really realizing what was going on she's still trying to sing she's like oh i know i'm such a bad (laughs) singer but You didn't have to say whatever, you know, it's she does a really good job there, too, of just not being nearly as aware as as he was.
0: Max, you run into your ex while you're seeing Oklahoma with a platonic girlfriend. How do you respond? (laughs) Uh,
1: I probably just I I, I think that
0: do you talk to her? Do you talk to her? Do you sit there?
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that my response to that fight or flight is to just ramble and hope that she's like okay like I'm gonna go now um but like ramble just enough where she's she doesn't feel like trapped in the conversation it's just kind of like oh yeah we were just singing like uh the Oklahoma am I right like oh you we seen these tapes over here like it's got all the whole script here like let me tell you that is this definitely this
0: your movie. response to that situation <laughs> <laughs>
1: and hope hoping that she loses interest and gets the fuck out because I think that would be a a, a, a worst case scenario
0: oh yeah I feel like I've I couldn't even. I think I'm just like I did not see you. I'm flipping Uh, around. I'm out the shop. I'm I'm flying.
2: Yeah, I think Chris is out for sure. It's just like (laughs) especially if it's if she's
0: with the guy. If she's with the guy that she left me for, either I'm saying fuck off to their face, (laughs) or I'm just out of there. And I'd rather just be out of there and not deal with it. Especially if the guy's name is Ira. Yeah, yeah, that's that's tough. That's, that's tough. Rough look for our boy Ira. Ira and the douche. <laughs> Crazy Ira and the douche. Yeah, that's uh that's a tough. it's that guy's 96 years old. Billy Crystal is young. He looks good. That guy that she left him for looks like shit. Anybody yeah else? No
2: one ra- else thought rain- that guy was
0: ugly. Okay, sorry. No,
2: not his raincoat sucked too
0: yeah okay there yeah. we go let's yeah. shit on this he cheated on our boy <laughs> billy crystal let's get our boys yeah. together yeah <laughs> yeah
1: we really hate that guy
2: <laughs>
0: okay just you can start checking out final thoughts because we're kind of this is already over an hour and i love that but let's start i my one of my final thoughts i had written is just carrie fisher yeah <laughs> i just want to say i just want to say carrie in, all, fisher.
2: In, in all caps or what yeah
0: it's sort of just i wrote in my notes Carrie Fisher, all caps, because I think that four-way call that she does with yeah. them is that was going to be one.
2: That was going to be part of my final thoughts. But go ahead, because I think that was just so well executed.
0: Well, I think Carrie Fisher is so funny, and that's a thing. I think we, our generation, she's just Princess Leia. I doubt many people remember or know that she was in this, and this is only six years after Return of the Jedi. So I mean, Carrie Fisher is still a really big deal. But you didn't see this side of her in um, Return of the Jedi. You see a little bit of this in Blues Brothers, if you guys have seen that. She's she's fairly funny in that. But this is really nuanced comic role for her. She's on the, that four-way call. She's like, he did what? Oh, thank God she did that. And then they're finishing each other's sentences. And she's really funny. And then she, especially when they're, the first awkward double date is when Carrie Fisher's like, I really like him. But don't worry, I won't do anything. He's like, You wanna get this cab? And she's like, Sweet. And they just hop in.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that that was really good.
0: Yeah, I think
1: her best scene, or at least my favorite scene, is when she first, where Meg Ryan first tells her two friends when they're at lunch that her and Joe broke up. And she's like, Oh, Joe's single now? And she like pulls out this like Rolodex of index cards and she's like, Just has to like make note of it. Yeah, she's definitely like the, the, like, I don't know. When I first watched this movie, I was like, Holy shit. Princess Leia, like, I just, she just definitely is one of those moments where it was like, kind of stole the the supporting cast, kind of stole that. Because I mean, I don't know, I don't know what that other guy went on to
0: do. Um, I don't know. He's in Good Morning Vietnam. He's in like Donnie Brasco. He's in some like Italian mob movies, but he's a small character actor. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, oh,
1: he was in Stuart Little. Who could forget that? Wow. Um, Good for him. A a little film I like to call Stuart Little, Um, but but I mean like (laughs) I
0: made a lot of money. Don't shit on Stuart Little.
2: That's probably how he introduces himself. He's like, yeah, I was in
0: Stuart Little. What's his name, Max?
1: Uh, In real life, yeah, Bruno Kirby.
0: Hey, Bruno Kirby, Stuart Little. Nice to meet you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And actually, he was a voice actor. He was he was Reginald yeah, he's the. He
0: wasn't
2: He wasn't Stuart though. That would have been. Crazy he's
0: a cat! Oh yeah, he's one of the cats. He's one of the evil cats. Do
2: you see Stuart oh, was, Little, guys? He Come on! You guys even know? You guys even know about Stuart Little?
1: No, dude, you don't even know anything about Stuart Little. He was he was the husband who claimed to be Stuart's dad.
0: Oh my God, you're right. He is. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was that cat. I thought he was doing like a voice of that like that kind of mobster cat. But I think maybe Christopher Walken's in that. Can we get can we get a Christopher Walken, Stewart Little check uh, give before this flies too far off the rails? Hey, are, are,
2: are we good to transition right into the Stuart Little pod? You guys are all got okay. your notes on that. Oh.
0: <laughs> okay, so Stuart Little one came out two thousand one, two thousand two thousand one. Max,
1: Making Ninety nine, you dummy. <laughs>
0: yeah. Probably made. I bet it made like two hundred million dollars at the box office because movies like that make a shit ton of money.
1: Nathan Lane was Snowball, the little family's cat who dislikes Stewart.
0: Yeah, but isn't there like a oh, no. mob cat? Chaz,
1: Chaz Palminteri, was the the mobster cat. Smokey. Uh, cat.
0: That yeah, Smokey. Yeah. Smoky the cat. I love that. You know, Mason and I have done a couple of these where it's been like this the end of this pod just turned into us talking about like we talked about different spider-mans one time we'll talk about she's <laughs> all that and now we're went from when harry met sally to i'm googling how much did Stuart little make at the box office made 300 million dollars good oh. lord
1: <laughs> i didn't realize that michael j fox
0: was Stuart little yeah that's awesome any that's other any, any other when harry met sally thought that? <laughs>
1: also uh m night Shyamalan
0: did the screenplay for Stuart. Little. he we already he, he wrote it. he wrote a random what movie did we do that he wrote
2: yeah well, which one was it uh
0: it was, was it a, she's a, all that was, no no he didn't write she's all that did he
1: yeah yeah he did oh
0: yeah, yeah it was yeah i haven't dropped that one yet so this is stepping on our toes <laughs> i had oh no idea God. yeah because in the live action scooby-doo we found out that um James Gunn wrote the live action Scooby Doo and he does the Guardians of the Galaxy. He does the Guardians of the
1: Galaxy, yeah. Wow. And he's
0: directing the new Suicide Squad? That's why we do these pods, guys. Every time this, this is <laughs> I say every time we learn something new every time. <laughs> this,
2: this is actually really good as a wrap-up for 2020. We kind of just summarized a lot of what we learned yeah. from previous pods and added even more.
1: Yeah, man. Hey, what's the direction of the pod here? What do you what do you feel and going like what's your 2021 resolution for the pod?
0: You know, I think that the skies I want to definitely get more into to the audience and I guess to you as well, Uh, I want to get more into this format where multiple guests. um, I kind of like doing two or three people. Um, I've been toying with the idea of doing like trilogies um, and doing like uh, Ben Rogers and Mason and I have talked about doing the rush hour trilogy and just be like, we're just going to talk about all three go or I'm to talk about the Lord of the Rings trilogy go. You know, and just do stuff like I think the future of sharp takes is a diverse future. It is a bountiful future, and we can only go up. Mm. Amen. And I'd like side. to work. I'd like to get into Letterbox in 2021 as much as I make fun of you about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah can I New
2: Year's resolution? I would like to know more about this. I have no. Yeah, know, Max
0: plug Letterbox. What? This is the. This is the. This is the last. This is the last thing. Go. I do have
1: one more thing to say about When Harry Met Sally, but we'll start with the Letterbox thing. So Letterbox is like Goodreads, but for movies. Or it's like, um, I guess what it's sold as is like a a social media platform where you can keep track of movies that you've watched. You can rate and review movies that you're watching. Wow. And follow other people and see other people. So for the audience, if you want to give me a follow, it's linked on my Twitter page, at Max Boyum. My Letterboxd handle is at Maxwell. It's free. There's a premium version that you can pay for. Um, the only reason you would get the premium is if you wanted to have no ads. And you could also like, like if, if we said to each other, like, oh, shit, we want to watch When Harry Met Sally. What streaming service is it on? We would say, oh, great. Let, let me just quick check on Letterboxd. Excuse oh, looks like it's on HBO. Boom. You would be able to figure that out there. Um, this I is like- dope. It's super I strange.
2: have, I've actually been looking for something where I can track which movies I've already seen. Can yeah. I, can I put things i want to see yes. as
0: well
1: yes you have a watch list
0: i have been looking sort. for this you can why is it, it boxed with a d
1: no yeah l e t t e r b o x
0: d yep okay. yeah max it's, this is how serious it. i am about this look can you see that on your screen are you doing yeah, it yeah here you go here you i go. just pushed get we just we just downloaded hell yeah that's how serious it. i am about this new year's resolution
1: and here's the thing it's fun to start like for you guys from the beginning where you're just like you you can just like search movies and it could be literally every movie that came out from 2020 to 19 however right like and you just you you start initially by just saying okay I've seen that I've seen that I've seen that I yes seen bro that and then literally it lists it's great
2: I've been looking for something like this for a long time because I feel like I'm the type of person that likes to be organized and when I'm so bad when people are like oh this movie is so good you got to watch it and I'm like I'll add it to my list, dude. The only t- the only time I take that f- for real is when Chris wants to do a podcast and I haven't seen the movie. So, other have than I ever that, let I...
0: anyone astray with a movie suggestion? I do, I, I no. think not.
2: No, yeah. never. Always, always it's good. Great. So I appreciate this a lot. I'm actually really excited about uh, about this.
0: And
1: another little self plug: I'm currently in the middle of watching all of the movies from the Infinity Saga on uh, on Disney. So all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies and damn. Um,
2: are you watching them in order
1: i'm watching them in order of when they were released so not right 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 order but when, when they were released so yeah i just finished um dr strange which is the 13th one so like i've been keeping i've been able to keep track of it on letterboxd which is great um, out of
2: how many are there
1: i think there's 23 up until the end of phase three so damn yeah so i got a little bit of a ways to go but it's super dope so mad maxwell that's my uh that's my name don't wear it out
2: do I have Mad to come up Max with a right. creative uh, username related to movies? And if Probably so, what should it's my, what should my
0: you. is? I just follow you, Max. That's how real I am. Thanks for hitting me up with that.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, it helps if you cre- come up with something creative, like as the funny name.
0: Okay. Oh, I just did my name, whatever. I, I, I don't need it. Okay. Max, give me, give me your, uh, give me your last when Harry met Sally thing so we can wrap this up for anyone that made it through that.
1: Yeah, my God, I don't know if anyone's still here. So uh, <laughs> the one thing I will say is this movie was not received very well when it was first released. Um, I went back and looked at some of the reviews from 1989 when it was released, and some pretty big <clears throat> names in like the world of of um, movies, like Roger Ebert, who is uh, he won a Pulitzer. Like uh, Roger
0: Ebert now. sucks. Have you listened to the rewatchables? They always shit on his reviews. <laughs>
1: Well, and I, this this review he has deserves a shit on because he kind of just, and and this could be a whole nother podcast, but this movie is a little bit derivative of like a Woody Allen rom-com um, in a lot of different ways. But I just think that this, again, it was not received well to begin with. In the however many years since it was released, it has become this, uh, you know, this this titan of rom-coms, this titan of movies, but specifically, obviously, like kind of the coup de gras of, of rom-coms. And so I think that Chris usually asks a question like woke or broke uh, in the pod and like, I think this movie is incredibly woke. Like it ages just so well and clearly like age better, age
0: better than a Woody Allen movie. That's for sure.
1: For real. Like name one Woody Allen movie that can pale. It can hold anything to, to this. Annie hall. Yeah. But like, I, I don't know when you think of rom-coms, I never think of Annie hall. That's not the first one I think of. Oh, I for sure. Think of- I think and Woody
0: Allen's canceled. So you can't even talk about Annie hall. Oh, I, for, I didn't know that he was canceled. He is canceled. He's a, he's a messed up guy. Google. Uh, Mason, anything for you to plug? We got Max's letterboxed. He's got us signed up. We're part. We're starting 2021 off right.
2: I got. I got nothing on my end. 2021. Well, I should. I shouldn't say nothing. 2021. Um, we're gonna be doing some more podcasts over on. Uh, over on my side, we'll have some different people. Chris will be on there a ton. Max, I'd love to have you. Right. Um, it's a music pod, Max. Oh hell yeah. Yeah. It's it's we music based. Yes, hundred percent. I would, I would love that. Yeah, I, I would love that. So, um, there will be some, some stuff on the way, and there will be more information uh, once it's ready to go. So, hopefully, hopefully, beginning of twenty twenty one here.
0: And if the pandemic ever ends, uh, fingers yeah. crossed, me and Mason will be up on a stage doing stand up at some point in twenty twenty one. Yeah,
2: that's that's a resolution. So, hopefully, that's a possibility. A
0: possibility. Okay. Well, I love this this was super fun. I'm glad we got to plug everybody's stuff and thanks for joining me, boys.
2: Thank you. Much appreciated.